Goodnix explores the journey and meaning of doing good in the world. I get to choose every day when I wake up whether I'm going to work for a Fortune 500 and make a ton of money or work for the movement that is the arc of moral justice. But I realized that I also had an obligation to weaponize my privilege. One day we said, okay, if the city's not going to do it, the state's not going to do it, if some large corporation's not going to do it, why not us? And if there were enough of you, if you were organized enough, if you were loud enough, it would be too difficult for them to ignore you. Good Nix, created by Jeff Leitner, hosted by Annalisa and Relay, available everywhere you listen to podcasts. Neely, I have two problems. What are those? I really love the show on professional development, and I have a big blank spot on my chest where my shirt is. First of all, the first one doesn't sound like a problem. I mean, it's so much love, I can't contain it. And you also have, what, a blank spot on your chest? Yeah, where my shirt is. You never grew chest hair? Obviously not. Oh, I know what you should do. You should go to this link in the show notes and get an unprofessional development t-shirt. Gasp! That sounds like exactly what I needed for this premise. So boys and girls, we have t-shirts. We have magnets. We have buttons. Show your unprofessional love. That way you'll get to know who your fellow unprofessionals are when you're walking down the hallway and go, Oh, you listen to that too? Be an unprofessional representative. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to a very illegitimate episode of Unprofessional Development. I'm Tedisco. And I'm Neely. And today we have with us, you know him from, love him from Twitter, Bastard Teacher. Okay, well, that does feel a little naughty coming out of my mouth. Um, we are just discussing off air that there's lots of historical and I guess I don't know other references, references to that. And, um, and also, aren't we all, you know, all a little illegitimate um, when, it, when, when, it, when it comes to teaching? So, and, and you're listening to Unprofessional <laughs> Development, so obviously. So um, welcome, sir. Good, good to have you. Doing all right? Great to be on the show, and uh, aside from being on the West Coast, where we don't get out of school until late June, yes, I guess I'm doing fine. Yeah. Excellent, excellent. Just a little salty. <laughs> well, I mean, just you have my permission to just order pizza and show movies from from now until on the last <laughs> day. Okay, so I feel free. I don't okay. want to share my pizza with those kids. They haven't deserved That's, it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> No, you eat it in front of them slowly there we and say, go. oh, yeah. man, this tastes like freedom, guys. Mm-hmm. It is. Awesome. Oh, oh, did you want pizza? Oh, get a degree. Yeah. <laughs> I've told him, uh, can you give me some? You ain't my kid. Get your own. Nope. <laughs> nope. Nope. Yeah, you got I mean... pizza? Yeah, I earned it with the money from my job. <laughs> tastes, really, tastes really good when you buy it yourself. There we go. <laughs> But their food obviously is is your food. That, that the way that's it, it doesn't it doesn't go both ways. Yeah. I don't, oh I don't yeah, yeah. Them. You got to got to pay the teacher tax when you bring in some peanut butter M and M's. That's just how it's, it is. Exactly. Absolutely. Exactly. Although since I teach at the current time middle schoolers, I still have um, uh, some budding little um, entrepreneurs who uh, among the Girl Scout ranks who nice. um, who make sure that I've uh, I keep my COVID fifteen. There we go. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. Yeah, if I've had a really bad day, I just the whole sleeve of tag along. <laughs> um, so anyway, we like to kind of like get people started with like a little background or whatever. And I know I know we're um, preserving your anonymity, um, much like we did when Dead Mouse um, was was on here. But um, or one of my or one of my other friends, Drama Goat. That, exactly. Yes, Drama Goat, and we had um, uh, typical edu celebrity and modest teacher as as a duo on um, a while back, so you can all listen to those um, episodes. So anyway, your your prompt is today. I don't know how this works, but I, I just have to come up with a new prompt every week. That's that's the law. And so um, <laughs> describe your education career like you're explaining the rules to a complicated board game. And and don't we don't we love when people are explaining board games to us that we've never played before? I love doing it because I run a board gaming club, and you probably see the rack behind me. I've got some really complicated yeah. ones. So. Oh wow! Yeah, this goes a board game aholic as well. So. Yes, All right. I, I like them. I'm not that far. My my library just went plug. over seventy. I now have over seventy board games. Impressive. Right. I'll see it. Packs unplugged, and we okay. play the one I'm making. So, I um, where was I? So explain like a complicated board game. Well, um. Well, you need to set up first in uh, in the American South, um, Great Plains. Uh, your 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 
player, you're playing the role of a uh, half native, half Caucasian um, young person who's really in, interested into uh, English and history. But you find out on the first few turns that grading a bunch of essays is really difficult. So you really steer more toward uh, the uh, the history part of it. One space you move is to uh, Houston. Uh, you spend a few turns there. Then you move to another region of the board into uh, central Colorado. And you kind of stop the game for a while. You need to take a long break and then you come back to it and you, you and really you have to try to a new area. You to go to jail card. No, no uh, go to jail card. <laughs> it wasn't a go to jail card. No, it was, okay. uh, it was, uh, it was get up and do some chores card, you know? Okay. And you realize you didn't like doing that. You want to get back to the game. So you go back to a new variant where you work. Your player is in a charter school in uh, Northeastern Oklahoma for a while. Oh. And that was, it's, it's both an exciting experience, but also pretty challenging at the same time. A uh, bunch of different rules, a bunch of, some rules are easier. And then in the end game, uh, once you've uh, built up your stats to an acceptable level, you've built up your hand, you can move to uh, the great state of Cascadia, and I currently now am uh, my uh, my piece is currently at uh, Ashley Madison Middle School in the Ripoff Park School District. Okay, nice. <laughs> that that is good stuff. And uh, Ripoff Park School District uh, in in real life, it's somewhere kind of in the greater orbit of Portland. So okay. either side of the river, you know, somewhere around there. I. I yeah, I can I get the radio stations from there. You know that kind of thing. Hopefully, no one's doxing you soon. No, we're we're gonna we're gonna do our best to prevent that. Okay. Anyway. Best of luck to them. <laughs> <laughs> so I know uh, Mealy knows you through Twitter, right, Mealy? Yes. All right. So, and I know um, on Twitter, I've I've heard rumor that everybody doesn't always get along. <laughs> and no. Well, just, which is baffling. It's just humans putting out all their thoughts and ideas freely, um, and with no consequence. With no right. consequence, and and the guise of anonymity. I I don't understand what could possibly go wrong. Right. So when you're on Twitter, or or even when you're working talking with your colleagues, what kind of things do you, do you get into arguments about, or do you get into disagreements about? It started. Uh, my account started as kind of a reaction because uh, several years ago, when I was at a, a charter school in Northeast Oklahoma around the Tulsa area. Um, we had a, uh, we had a state by teacher walkout and hmm. we were one of the few, we were, uh, the charter schools kind of divide if they were going to participate or not. And ours did not. And I was rather upset about that. So, um, I was also allowed personal days. So I just burned through them. I said, give me four personal days now. And I actually went down and took part in the walkout, and I didn't want to tweet as me. So I had seen a few tweets from, um, I, I don't know if you know this, but Oklahoma's not exactly the friendliest place to teachers. You know, this. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, like new teachers can qualify for uh, for public assistance um, wow. on their salary. Really, I, am not, I am not making that up. There's just kind of an overlying, um, kind of a, a, an obnoxious expression by education critics in that state. And they have a lot of power and fearing reprisal, but wanting to say what I wanted to, I bastard teacher was born mm-hmm. and it started out with a few little, uh, angry, uh, statements toward, toward some of them. And then I decided, you know, um, I'm noticing teacher Twitter's a fun place. We just kind of, uh, gripe about our day, celebrate a little, uh, positives that go on. Um, and sometimes the things you celebrate, you also want to keep anonymous. Um, even if they are totally above board and totally great, you just, it's something that you want to protect your students. Also my, and my anonymity protects them as well. Mm-hmm. My colleagues as well. And it's, I think overall the teacher Twitter experience is positive. Uh, it's a positive game of demolition derby. Right. There we go. <laughs> that, that's true. Yeah. Yeah, we're having fun smashing into each other. Yes, yeah. Oh, recently, um, I, I made the expression that um, I don't count off for late work, mm-hmm. but I do give zeros until the grade is in. Right. And that set off a firestorm, um, both for and against. Um, someone then pointed out, do you never give zeros ever for anything? Do you ever, do you allow any late work? I said, well, I didn't allow late work when I taught journalism. Uh, I hope you understand why. Um, there we go. 
And I had a, I had another person actually uh, DM me and say, you should never count a zero or never make late work a, a, a zero permanent like that. Like it's journalism. Well, there you're teaching them the skill. Yes, and a key skill of journalism is turning in work on time. It really is. I, I, I I'm really into like I, I can't poke a hole in that argument. I'm very much into, um, you know, not giving kids zeros and also like accepting late work and um, and getting arguments with people when they say it's their job. But, but journalism, really, that I think that deadlines and being underneath that crunch and experiencing that, particularly if it's and these are like upperclassmen in high school i i, I assume right for, for the most part 11th and 12th grade yeah so right, yes right. and and having been a journalist myself that was part of my job and yes if you don't think deadlines are important in journalism well um yeah start your own paper and find out right it, it, i was gonna say <laughs> it, it's all it, it's got to be the first one to, to to print every time right yeah yes and because you're you're kind of running against the clock and you've got people against who are demanding something per certain time mm-hmm. and not all, and certainly when it comes to learning, we should try to have this learning be on a student's schedule, what's comfortable for them, and make certain allowances for that. Right. With some restriction. I mean, I'm not grading anything in July. Right. If I give right. you assignment in February and your late work comes to me, uh, no, I'm making, I'm eating ribs right now. You, you enjoy, <laughs> you enjoy your credit recovery coming up soon. Yeah. That is the biggest challenge with with accepting late work and not, you know. Turning a zero into a grade they have earned is, it is the definition of restorative justice. They have done something to bring themselves back into the, uh, in, into the place where they need to be. And I also understand that a zero can be a very damaging grade. So I'm totally in favor of realigning uh, the grade scale if need be. Yeah. If work that's actually turned in is at a very low level, I understand a basic grade for that. But lack of work is lack of work. But until it's turned, but once it's turned in, all's forgiven. But I also tell them that if you're going to do the work and turn it in on your own time, I'm going to grade it on my own time. Yep. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I've got more important things to do, like think about what's on TV tonight. Like there's 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 like four Three kids who, there's, who are going to like actually give you like five things on on the last day, and then you just look at it, and you don't have to grade it then as as thoroughly as you may have graded something that's turned in. You're like, okay, well, you know, I'm, guess what? You're just you're getting a seventy on that, or you're getting an eighty five on that. I can look at that, and I don't have to like go into major details and go into nuance between is this a sixty or a sixty three. It's, it's just... You don't have to do each little line of the rubric for for no, the whole thing. No, just, just right, exactly. You know what I mean? And, uh, and if you're giving six or seven assignments on the last week of school, yeah, that, that's your that's your problem. Right, right. And most of them are, and probably very few of them are going to be on like some extreme level of mastery to where they're going. They might be, you know what I mean? But but generally, they're they're probably somewhere between like a high D and a low C for most of the part. And and you know. Also, by the time like you put it in the gray book, the kid doesn't have any time to argue with you about what, what it was anyway, because it's probably not seeing them again. So, but anyway, and, with that being said, like I said, accepting late work generally isn't the burden that people make it, make it out to be. Yeah. It's usually a relatively small group that does that. It's just, it is an annoyance, but yeah. that's pretty much it. Yeah. What I've been doing is when we started like the, the review for like the final, um, the kids who, are usually failing your class, usually not the ones that you're really worried about for the final because you know what they're going to get. Right. So mm-hmm. I just basically sit them in a corner and say like, hey, here's a list of everything you're missing. Now do it. And yeah. I make them have them make it up in class. I, I, I watch over them because otherwise they won't do it. And that's when it gets done. You know, yeah. they, they learn it. They do it. It's not easy. It's not independent. But work gets done, so give them credit. Right, and they're learning. Right, yeah, yeah. exactly. That's 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 the name of the game. Well, is there anything else that you've um that you've that you've argued about? Like, sort of, you argue with your colleagues about in terms of like policies that you have or things that they do or you do that you, that they're like, oh, I can't believe you do that, or 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 you try and sway them to your side and say, hey, like maybe you should try this instead of that. Honestly, um, it's having moved around so much in my career. Um, and especially being exposed to the radical difference between a charter school in Tulsa mm-hmm. and a public school in the Pacific Northwest. Yeah, it's it, that's that's a major shift in not only policy but attitude of how education should go, how you manage teachers. 
it was really enlightening to me because my uh, my master's degree is not in education; it's in political science. Mm-hmm. And to be more specific, it's on uh, it's on public policy. So right. I spent two years studying bureaucracy. Um, which it's, you well, would, yeah, so yes, just just the, 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 that joke. Of, that joke writes itself. Okay. <laughs> well, as things go on, it's I found out that. It was a three-week course, but it took me two years because I was studying bureaucracy. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah, all the forms to fill out and all the red tape. And exactly. Send that to the Department of Redundancy Department. Exactly. The, uh, but, I've, but what I've learned in that is that we, as teachers, are what is termed street-level bureaucrats. Um, mm-hmm. We are bureaucrats ourselves. Um, you would not like to call us that, but in fact, we are. And it really is... People like us and uh, policemen and those who have a direct dealing with the uh, with the people and also have a lot of leeway in how we apply the policies. It's something that a lot of the professionals in the who the academics who study bureaucracy and there's a lot of them and they're actually pretty fun people as long as you get them out away from work. <laughs> it's it's something that yeah. Um, it's something that they really are kind of mystified by because for a long time in bureaucracy, God, I'm very sorry, we're talking about bureaucracy on this show. Oh, cool. But for the longest time in bureaucracy, it, the belief was that if you set out rules and guidelines and set everything by the book, that everybody down the chain can follow it and your bureaucracy runs smoothly. I think we all in education see the problem. You yeah. can't. You can't codify every single little thing that comes up when you're teaching, um, when you're teaching 35 barely evolved apes at the preaching level (laughs) at a time. Right. Um, So, uh, and when you are, and also when you are delivering curriculum to them, that changes on a frequent basis. That's where teachers have to be given that autonomy and it stops being the top down and begins the bottom up. In those actual PDs, and I'm actually talking to admins, I'm not thinking about, oh, this is how it works in the classroom. I'm thinking, this is how bureaucracy is. I'm a, I'm a cog in the wheel right now, and I've got to fight for my own turf. Yeah. We get blind to when we're doing to the students what is being done to us. The teachers who get drunk with power, um, what, what little... Itty bitty power they have, but they have the power to make a twelve-year-old repeat a class that they don't like. That that congratulations. Nominal power corrupts nominally, <laughs> and that's related. That's actually related to two traps that Eggers talked about about implementing policy. One is the Sisyphus trap, where people who are those street-level bureaucrats can't see the forest for the trees because we tend to be focused on the things that are happening right in front of us, and we don't see the bigger picture. Uh, our fiefdom does not go beyond our classroom, which is usually a pretty okay way to deal with things. You know, close the door and teach. But it's it's also loses your role in the school community and the district community as a whole. The other is the complacency trap uh, that Eggers talked about. You get lost often in you get lost often in your own success, your own progress, and you don't see how you fit into the bigger picture as a teacher. You don't see the impact that you have in other places as well. And you don't see the need for change realignment. You know, it's, and even if it's going well, life comes at you fast. You know, as Rush said, most changes aren't permanent, but change is. Uh, You have to uh, be aware of when you need to change. Is that that Rush? Is that the Rush the Musical Group or Rush Limbaugh? Which one of them said that, by the way? Uh, Rush the Musical Group. I, okay, I just would, clarifying. Uh, yeah, unless... Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, Rush Limbaugh. I've never met a more inappropriately named person. I can't imagine him <laughs> jogging <laughs> to anything. Yes. Uh, yeah, it's... No, he, it, he but I, I agree with that, too. Yeah, we, we get we get caught up in our, like, you know, well this, well, this is working. Why do we have to do something different? You know what I mean? And right, you know, but and, um, and I think that's also where we get some of like the older teacher mentality of oh, it's these kids who are doing worse, like oh, these kids today mm-hmm. just can't do it because I'm a good teacher, but they're not learning. And right. and it's and the, yes, it's the it's the, it's the principal uh, Skinner problem, it's not me, it's the <laughs> kids are the kids are out of touch, but that's and I, I've seen that presently at our school because we're considering moving on to um 
standards-based grading at our school because, uh, you know, Cascadia as a state is uh, looking at um, making that not a statewide, not a statewide policy, but encouraged, you know, please do. <laughs> um, and we're jumping on that. And at Ashley Madison Middle School, um, our principal, uh, Principal Sophie, who is one of the best admins I've ever with, I would, I would follow her into combat. Great gal. Um, she put forward that we wanted to be one of the schools to try out the new standard-based system that the district wants to do. And we got a few grumbles, and I'm saying I'm here for it because, in the words of Admiral Lynch, the Falklands War, if there is to be an escalation, it is better that we start it. I want, nice. if we're going to change policy and it's going to happen and we're not going to stop it, I want to be holding the reins. I want to be one of the ones setting the pace and not catching up. And you're getting a little blowback from my colleagues who've, some of who haven't been teaching as long, but. I guess that's just my perspective. I haven't been at a district for years and years. Like some of my colleagues, I just realized this. Um, a few of the people in my department have been there 12, 15, uh, 11 years. And this is my third, this is my 15th year teaching, but my third year in that district. So I'm looking at as somebody who's looking at a whole bunch of changes over the course of my career. And they're coming at it from a angle of, I've been here my whole time and the district has changed, but so slowly I don't recognize it. And why should we change? Because what's yeah. working in my room is working. Yeah. I think the problem with bureaucracy is it seems really smart on paper. It yeah. does. Um, it, and like any other system, it works perfectly when people are perfect. Right. Yes. I was going to say, you can justify it with like, Oh, we can't just let anyone blah, 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 blah. And it's like, okay, but now you, you, you are, you are impeding the progress of someone who should be able to just run through in the effort to filter out the person that you don't, that you don't want often. And, and sometimes it's, you know, or the, th or the thing that you don't want, you know what I mean? And now this person that actually has something worthwhile is, is stuck because you've set up all these hoops and, and um, roadblocks and things for them to, to, to overcome. But, um, and this also goes in the problem of implementing new policies into a district because we are so reliant, the, the, the educational system is so reliant on us to have those reforms carried out, have those changes carried out, that in a lot of cases, if they don't consult teachers or police officers or anyone else who's in charge of implementing policy at the street level, they will they often oh. continue the policy argument as they implement it. Please, right. please, 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 please. Before you make any decisions, whether you're an admin or you're downtown, if you're listening, ask multiple teachers. Ask get, multiple teachers. And get buy-in. And get buy-in. So and I love my principal, okay? And so we had a, a schedule thing going on recently, right? So um, this, this past week. And everyone thought it was going to be going one way. All the teachers were going to go in one way until the first day that finals started. Monday was going to be first block finals. And you had like a big window. So you're going to be in first block for like five hours. So you could give the final. And then you, I know. And then you go to second block for lunch and the end of the day. And then the next day it's second block for five hours and third block. With the, with the exception being that you, if you had eight A, B days, that you would be in each of your A day or B day class for two and a half hours. We all assumed naturally that at the beginning of the day for first block, we all know what happens when one assumes, right? <laughs> we all thought you would be in the A day class and then you would go to the B day class, but no, it depends. It's actually a B day on Monday. So we want to go to our B day first block and then our a day but then on tuesday when we go to second block we'll go to a day and then our b day and then on wednesday when it's a b day again i've read this dr seuss book and, and if two tweedle beetles have a battle with paddles in a puddle in a bottle and, and a poodle eating noodles that's a tweedle beetle puddle paddle poodle eating noodle battle and then all of a sudden it comes out that no 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 it's it's this way and then we're all just like um you obviously didn't ask a teacher about this because this is silliness you know and so it's a, and, and at the end of the day, it all worked out and it was all fine. All the kids, I mean, like, like, it was like, you know, nothing terrible happened other than like teachers, just a little smidgen of our faith in admin admin's ability to do things sensibly died on that day. 
you know, so um, it's a cumulative thing. But I think the good takeaway from that is uh, hopefully it's a learning opportunity for the admins who make the mistake. We got to remember that, you know, and I, I do pride myself on this. We talk about um, mental health for, uh, for teachers, you know, checking in on us, you know, mm-hmm. we appreciate checking. I do the same for my admins and I have everywhere I've gone, you know, give them a head check because there's not enough rum or redheads in the world to make me want to take their job. <laughs> uh, it's, it's, I, I've seen a sliver of what they do, and most of the principals, with one exception, uh, no, okay, three exceptions, um, <laughs> have uh, did it well, um, handling the public and the teachers and their admins above them, um, and they're middle managers, so they're in that uh, Dilbert comic hell of their own. Right. Uh, right. Um, so one of the things I always asked when I was on an interview and I always, I, I address it. This, do you have anything else you want to ask? Cause they have their little script and their questions. They ask, right. and they never veer from it. And so I like to throw a curveball at them. When I ask my questions back, I said, aside from the usual, what can you do for me as a teacher? And right. what are the challenges of your school? I was asked as a principal, if you could build a teacher, the right way, what would you do? How, what, what assets would you give the perfect teacher? And the answers are pretty surprising because they really don't demand a whole lot for the most part. Mm -hmm. Um, hear a lot of team player, you hear a lot of, uh, open to change. Um, but it's not, it, it isn't what we would expect out of a slave driving boss. It isn't be here at six 30 and gleefully stay until nine o'clock cleaning up after choir. Uh, it's, it's, it's essentially just be part of the group. Um, and I've noticed that in in my uh, career for the most part when I've talked to admins. So I always, whenever there's something going on or towards the end of the year during testing, I always put my head into my admins and say, I'm I'm not trying to kiss up. I'm just, I'm checking on them. I say, you guys doing okay? How are you? Cause we don't check in on them very often. We're we do get lost in our own problems and it's just something where you just kind of pay it forward or up or to the person next to you. While we're here and, and I I know we're talking about this a lot, but I'm curious about your perspective. Um, So we had on uh, Mike Yates from the schoolish podcast and he was talking about some of the issues in, in education. He said that he believes one of the biggest problems in terms of education, in terms of policy is that schools and districts are obsessed with being able to scale everything. He said, like anything we do in the classroom or any sort of things that they do, it has to scale up and scale down. Every teacher has to be able to do it um, or no teacher can do it. So up down model. Yes. So, so what do you, what do you think about that with, with your perspective while we're here? Um. It's uh, to kind of reiterate my point. It's 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 the old Weberian model where uh, you know that German bureaucratic model where everybody's in lockstep following the rules, and you're dealing with not only uh, and I mentioned earlier it's hard to do that with um, with thirty five hormonal nuisances throwing <laughs> mm-hmm. a wrench in everything you're doing, but it's also um, it's also difficult to do with a staff of at some schools. Uh, 30 to 100 independent professionals who've been doing their job for a long time and have to be trusted for an hour where whereas a clerk at the DMV can look at the guidebook a teacher doesn't have everything in their policy manual <laughs> I would don't. love to for someone to print out a manual big enough for me oh, to be no, able to no, use it for no. a whole school year Yes. No, I like I like seeing trees outside my window. I <laughs> feel like printing out Wikipedia. Yes. <laughs> what do I do when a kid sneezes in another kid's hair and then gets punched in the lip for it? Yeah, there's a yeah, it's 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 something where um the very nature of our jobs means you can't codify every little thing. You just have like general guidelines, you know. We uh, for instance we don't know how to react to every single little issue that comes up with students, but we know not to not to throw them through the window. We know that part. Right. Uh, that that part that part can be codified because that is yes. a hard and fast yeah. 
And it's difficult some days. But sometimes, but sometimes, what if they're halfway out the window? Should we pull them <laughs> in or, or push them out? What if oh, we're in a okay, Winnie that's... the Pooh situation and they're stuck? Yeah. Uh, the point of questions, yes. Uh, I, I would say, uh, I would say um, if they're halfway out the window and you're on the second floor, pull them back in, unless there's a pool underneath. There we go. Okay. And a camera nearby. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. yeah. Yes, always wow. be entertaining. Yes. Uh, <laughs> But the, the, but the what if question, the what if question is something that I really try to break my students of when it comes to things we do in class. Uh, I think that's a common thing. Kids like things in black and white. A lot of adults do too. Um, so I have a whole spiel at the beginning. Don't ask what if. Tell me what the problem is. What if I don't have a pencil? Do you have a pencil? Yeah. Well, then it's not a problem, is it? Well, I don't have a pencil. Okay, I can address that problem. Come up here and get a pencil. I've got one. I actually provided gross pencils for most of the year. They pay us well up here in Cascadia. <laughs> yeah, I, I I I nearly tripled my pay moving from Oklahoma to uh, to uh, to this district. Nice. Yeah, I mean it's yeah. I can I can actually buy fresh produce and go to the occasional uh, sporting event. It's uh, nice. not sneak. It's great. Um, but uh, but yeah, back to that. It's it's something where. If a student asks what if they just they sometimes they truly want to know. Sometimes they just want to run with their imagination. Right. What yes. if I'm not here tomorrow? Okay. Are you going to be here tomorrow? I don't know. Okay. Well, let me know when that happens. <laughs> I, I was asked them. Let me know when you know. I was asked them, what if a rogue black hole sweeps through and eats our entire solar system? <laughs> it happened. Um, you couldn't even see it coming. It's black. It blends right into space. You wouldn't even know. No, no. Um, so, hey, I got I threw this in the little list of questions I came up with. And sometimes we like to give some practical advi- advice here on, on our professional development. So. So what's a what's the best strategy that you think is not for every teacher? Like, you know, so like we know that like the people listening on professional development um, are a certain, you know, breed of teacher. Um, in fact, I just I put a tweet out. Um, to disco and and um, said I'm the kind of teacher that gives a student a hard time, and then when they give me the finger, we both laugh. And now let's preface this by saying, what grade do you teach? I teach I teach like high school. Yes, right. So so it makes a difference. But there were people who were you know a, a couple of people who were just like <gasps> you know you know, and they're just like well no, and I couldn't and da 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 da. So, so we know that they're not listening to this podcast very much. I think that I think that there's many of our listeners who would be like, "That's me," you know. What but I mean? Since we know you guys are cool, yeah. So, uh, so anyway, so what's what's a strategy that, that that you've used in the classroom that you think that maybe either some like little more straight laced teachers or maybe some parents or maybe even some admin that that are a little more um a little more rigid um would be like. I can't believe that's your policy. Or I can't believe that's a strategy that you use, but that you've found that it's very effective that, that works for you when it, when it comes to, um, you know, having kids learn basically. Um, a go-to for me has been improvisation. I mean, it's, it's something that all teachers kind of have, but I rarely, I rarely have my lessons to, unless I have something really grand and specific to teach. Um, I rarely have my lessons planned to the minute. Mm-hmm. It is, I want to introduce them to the concept of, say, um, say different types of heroes, different types of protagonists, mm-hmm. different types of characters. Um, it will be free form. And I say my goal today, and I'll, I'll put on the board what the goal is, we're going to learn about different character types, antagonists, protagonists, this, that, and the other. I might have a few examples in mind, but I also understand that this is a topic that kids are always are already some in sixth seventh graders already pretty aware of they just don't realize it yet right so for that i am going to rely on their understanding and what i can pick up from them immediately and then react to it now and an admin would see that and say so you don't have anything planned not exactly i have something planned but it has to be in reaction to what they're doing if I say, for example, uh, the concept of an ensemble is, and I say, this is what ensemble is, it's a group of something. And 
someone's, oh, you mean like the Avengers? And then I'll say, yes, the Avengers. And we will talk about that for a moment. And I will go and dig up a, a small video clip of the Avengers doing, you know, Lord knows what. And I may also allow others to chip in some others, have an open discussion, maybe. Ocean's oh, 11. I've seen that. Yes, a little yeah, Ocean's Yeah, give them it's other probably examples. too old now, but, that, but that's what I think of. I, I bring up the Three Musketeers because this is my favorite story of all time. Okay. Um, but yeah, the concept of an ensemble, concept of uh, all these different concepts that they know, and I will, I can on a moment's notice, find some tangible uh, visual or written examples of them and show to them. Um, but that also requires me to be ready to do that and have maybe just have a few things in mind, but it also says that if I've got everything printed out to the letter and I do say, a good example of an ensemble would be The Magnificent Seven. Well, um, that would work for boomers. It would not work for younger kids who don't know what a Western is hardly. Right. And it's... If, if Western, I have you mean The Mandalorian? Lesson, yes. <laughs> if I have this whole thing planned for how The Magnificent Seven is a great example of an ensemble, it will be lost on them. Right. So you you it's something where you some of your lessons you have to have a completely reactive setup and then the next day you can do an assessment over what they've learned and what they've gotten. But during your time you might have a little checklist like make sure they talk about this, make sure they mention that, make sure they know how the ensemble works, make sure they know how the difference between an anti-hero and a conflicted hero and a Mary Sue, you know. Um but that would be something pretty free form where you would say, this is what they get. This is what they don't get. Uh, right. So yeah, improvisation. Right. And I was going to say, I think um, teachers who have some, some of us discover how much we like that by accident, right? We like, you know, maybe we start off, we come out of college and you're like, okay, I want to have like, da, 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 and I've got an opening activity and then I've got, da, 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 and then I've got this where they're going to work in groups and this one where they're going to, blah, blah, blah. And then at the end, there's going to be this check for understanding that's going to go like this. And I've got these things going on. And then, um, you know, when I first started teaching, it was your USB you left at home, or now it's the internet's down or the power mm-hmm. goes out at the school. Or, and then you realize how much fun it is and how much the kids like it. And, you know, and you might have some dead time and you might be, towards the end trying to figure out what's going on or you might end up on some like crazy like great thing and you literally run out of time and the kids are excited oh can we keep talking about this tomorrow or do more of this tomorrow because of like that and it, it's it, it really and is then um, you can plan something around that right and have that all programmed for them where they're already into it um and a lot of admins want now um and we all know this they all want us to be able to to uh, plan instruction based off of assessments, play, based off results of prior assessments. Right. So if I'm presenting something and I get a formative assessment back and it shows that the students have not, for example, one time, had any concept of how the Electoral College worked or its right. purpose. Um, I remember checking one assignment on that and it's like, oh my goodness, these kids don't get it at all. They have no idea how this works. So... What I have planned for the next week is like, okay, let's do a rewrite. And then the next day, I just had to start with the question, tell me what you understand about this concept. And gave me the answer. Okay, say, well, here's what we need to fix. And once I knew that, again, I would go back to the well, back to my resource, say, let me pull this out for you. This is some reading you can do. This is a discussion we can have. This is a small video that explains that. So your reaction doesn't have to be fun and games for them, but it also can adapt to any gaps that you have to have, uh, any gaps you have to address in what they've had a problem with. Um, so you realign your teaching to their needs at that moment. Um, it's it's a bit like uh, a history guy. I like uh, studying D-Day. It's, D-Day is a great example of Everything going right and everything going wrong at the same time. And the fact that you had to have improvisation on the part of the commanders and the people on the ground to basically take the initiative, make some changes. The plans were important, but they also fell apart. So that exercise you do in planning 
let you get ready to make up some more plans on the fly. Isn't there and, some like patent quote like uh, "No strategy survives combat" or something like that? That's patent quotes, but I also for that one I, I prefer uh, Eisenhower who said, "I have found that plans are worthless, but planning is indispensable." Nice. Um, I like that. Um, I thought the plan for fine. I thought the plan for D Day was they couldn't possibly kill all of us, so let's go that way. <laughs> uh, that's uh, that. <laughs> They're that gonna actually, run out of bullets eventually. <laughs> I actually, I actually said that to one of my students, uh, something like that. Um, I w- the charter school I was at in Oklahoma City, in not Oklahoma City, it was in uh, Tulsa. I served Oklahoma City once in Tulsa. Um, was that at that school they were starting a softball team, and as you would expect with the first year softball team, they were pretty miserable. I mean, mm-hmm. they. <laughs> They, they they did not approach the level of pure incompetence. They knew um, what a softball was by the There end. we go. Maybe. I mean uh, <laughs> I uh but one of my one of my students who was really passionate about it, really loved playing it, but she didn't know have a clue about it. She was getting ready to she was leaving class and I said, I'll be out there to see you guys play today. Oh, we're gonna lose. Yes. I said, just think about this. We learned about World War II today, right? Yeah. Remember D Day, right? What you guys are is you're that you're that team. You're the first one on the beach. Oh, There's going to be a great legacy that comes after this. Like years from now, we're going to have a triumph. We're going to be state champs, and all because you guys were there. She said, "Those guys got mowed down." I'm like, "Well, you're yes. part of the future, though." <laughs> uh, shut up. Now, 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 lean in, take one for the team, and get on base. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So, so not all of them got mowed down. A few of them made it. Like a few. You know, maybe a hundred yeah. yards up the beach before they got mowed down. So not all of them were killed immediately. So Tom Hanks oh. got pretty far. Yeah. Yay plot armor. <laughs> <laughs> let's go to um let's go to the funny stories because okay. fifteen years, different districts. I've I've seen I've seen some stuff and uh, may or may not have done some stuff. Sounds good to me. Okay, cool. All right, so throughout your uh fifteen years of teaching throughout um the North, the West, mid-centered Earth in America. What uh, what are some funny stories that that you've found from the classroom? Because you know, ridiculous things happen all the time, every day. Uh, I am I am amazed by how much students really um, can just come up with things creatively. I think that now more than ever students are really good at making inferences more than our generation was. They, uh, I think memes have helped with that. They, they, they're <laughs> able to like, this is like this. And they get that kind of connection. Um, one of the funnier quotes I had was when I was explaining, uh, the fallout from the cold war, Czechoslovakia broke into the Czech Republic and Slovakia for our, for our, uh, Gen Z and, um, and, uh, millennial listeners, um, Czechoslovakia used to be one country back in the Stone Ages of the 1990s. Now it is the Czech Republic and Slovakia. So I explained this to my students, and I said, well, they they are now separate countries. What happened? Well, they decided to uh, break up in 1994. It's like, oh, 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 right? Yes, Steve? Did Taylor Swift write the national anthem? (laughs) (laughs) Yes, yes. Love it. Um, there was also the time where I I had a student while I was subbing uh, decide that he was going to attempt to steal a computer in the middle of testing. This was back in the Stone Ages of the early 2000s when, you know, there was a computer lab and many of these computers were, you know, still the size of bowling balls. So, so not like uh, a laptop computer, like a tower no, no, like computer. A, yes. Yeah, like, like a, well, or one of those, one of those, uh, one of those Apple, um, uh, yeah. neon colored ones that the again, Macintosh. Yes, the old Macs. They were like uh, gem colored. Wow. Um, he was going to steal that, um, and he would have worked. So what he did was open the window, pulled it out, ripped the cords out, and uh, what are you doing? Um, you're just shocked because you can't <laughs> believe this is happening in front you're of you. Bold, he bold threw, move. Threw it out the, yes, throw throw it out the window. Um, apparently he forgot he was on the second floor. 
Nice. Because. <laughs> wow. Right. And he was. And what made it worse that he was climbing out the window too. Um, oh my goodness! And actually dropped. Um, so yeah, I, I did not sub there again. Um, <laughs> wow, that's impressive. It is. It that, is. That is. I, I, I admire that boldness. Um, to this go, have I told the story about my friends stealing the giant flag from um, Burger King when I was in high school? No. Okay. Okay. So these guys were nuts. Okay, I didn't get to go. I, I was I was I was on one flag stealing adventure with my with my friend um, Ian Brown, who's a doctor who studies does like cancer research now. So, but this is when he was a, a naughty boy in, in high school, and for some reason he just liked stealing flags from like wherever, like American flags. It was just a thing. He didn't like didn't have any value. He wasn't reselling them or whatever. It was just 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 a thing to do. So he'd stole so he'd stolen one as you would steal street signs. Right, yeah, just like spilling street signs. I remember I took like a uh, like a cone off the street one time and threw it in my car. Just like, ooh, we got a cone. Like, like I don't know why. You know, what yeah. are you gonna do with it? I don't know. I'm gonna put it in the garage. I have no use for this. Yeah. But anyway, so there was um in um Abington, Pennsylvania. Okay, there was a Burger King on the top of Old York Road. Okay, so I, th- I think such limitations is is um is out on this because this happened in 1986 or 87. But so, <laughs> but, but it was like a allegedly, big, allegedly, it yes. happened. But to give you an idea, the size of this flag from the tip of one a, a star from tip to tip was at least a foot, if not a foot and a half. Yeah, those McDonald's flags get huge. I mean, it was giant, and so, but like, apparently, all you needed to do, and I, I don't know where they got these from either. Cause it was like hoisted up there on some, this massive cable was, um, get, um, a set of bolt cutters. And once you cut the, um, the cable, then the, the gravity just took place. But at which point they had this flag and there's like four of them that like, now what do we do? And like, like they didn't realize <laughs> how unwieldy it was. So they literally had to like, but we didn't know what ha- step two was. <laughs> right. I mean, we're going to like take this thing and carry it and it's got to go in a car and like, I, I wish I had been there because it, it, it just sounded like immense chaos as they're trying to figure out all this and stuffing it in the car and realizing that like the time is definitely a factor. But I didn't know about this until I went to like my friend um, Brad's house. Cause then, the, and also now that you've got this, now what do you do with this massive flag? Right. You know? So, but Brad, um, Brad, <laughs> Brad Cantor, I don't know what he ended up doing with him, with himself, but he was, he's a smart guy. He went to university of Pennsylvania anyway. And, he um was a you know not a not a not a poor child his parents actually had like a this giant house and so his he had the entire third floor of the house to himself so it was like a big giant like you know bonus room that that was that was the third floor of the house and so you know he had like couch and tv and video games and stuff all there so like you know like this is how i found out they they had gotten it and literally Someone said, hey, let's go to Brad's house. Da, da, da. We're going to Brad's house. And I go up to the third floor and you open up the door and the flag is like just hits you in the face. I have no idea how they what what implements they use to attach it. Yes. The entire ceiling and all the walls were the flag. <laughs> it was it was it was insane. It was insane. I, I'm, I'm like, oh, so, my goodness. So uh, and I, I care about flag protocol. So. If yeah. the national anthem were to play in that room, yes, what way would one face? Yeah, I don't know. What she would. You'd lie on the ground. You uh, lie on the ground and face yes. up the ceiling. Yes, you, that's face you, that's, the ceiling. That's you do. I'm like, oh my goodness, you guys, are, you guys are nuts, you know. But um, yeah. So, but like the funny thing was, if you tell anyone, like later on, there was like lived anywhere within like, like I don't know, seven eight miles of that. I'm like, you remember the flag that was at Burger King? Like, like, oh yeah. I'm like, yeah. My friend stole it. Like, like that thing was so big. I'm like, yes. I'm like, then I tell them like the whole story. And they're, 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 they would just be amazed at that, um, that, that they took that. So anyway, all right. Well, so feds, because uh, they, oh, they were worried because apparently it's, it's, it was like, a it had a value of over $5,000. So yeah. Whew. So this grand is like, theft. Like, yes. Yes. Quite grand, you know? So, um, allegedly, allegedly. 
Well, I have three stories. One is real trouble along that way. The other is um, is uh, mischief on the part of my students that I encouraged. And the other was probably my greatest moment as a teacher, the one I was most proud of. Okay. So um, oh. let's do the trouble first. Um, okay. I was teaching in Houston. Um, my second year as a teacher, and this is how the turnover was at this high school. I went from being a rookie teacher to the lead U.S. history teacher uh, in one year. Nice. And nice. also I found out the day before – no, 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 sorry. That is incorrect. I found out 10 minutes before school started on the first day that I was now teaching not one but two, two sections of AP U.S. Yeah. Yeah. So um, – Sounds don't good. I need, don't I need training for that? Oh, you'll do fine. Yes. Don't you need to be uh, yeah. certified to teach APs? Mm, apparently uh, I was not. Certified. I just, I, you know, I just. Mm, well. There we go. Narrator voice. He was not fine. Um, <laughs> no. Certified but, and certifiable. There we go. But, but I had learned a couple things. I, I, I was certainly in a better position than one of our uh, assistant principals that year. It was her first year as an assistant principal. Uh, she had taught for seven years at elementary, and now she was an assistant principal at an inner city high school in Houston. Mm. So, welcome to the big show. Um, it is between classes. I am on my way to the workroom to do some work, as one does. And she stopped me in the hall and said, uh, Mr. Bastard, could you please check in the boys' room and make sure everybody's out of there? And, you know, she's all chipper and positive because she's an elementary teacher at heart. I said, yes, ma'am. Took my head in, and as soon as I turn in, there's the two guys coming out. They're high enough to go duck hunting with a rake. Like, <laughs> I mean, you know, they, they this, they, you know, this is this is 2001 before the wave of uh, you know um, boutique things like this. So I put up against the wall and I say, "Ma'am, please watch these two. I'll be right back." I go in, and nobody's in there. But at the very end of the stall, it's like Mount Vesuvius is going up. Oh, lovely. So, you know, I kind of creep along. And this is 2003. So, you know, the shield was on. So I like to think I'm Big Mackie, you know. Greatest cop show ever, by the way. Nice. That door. <laughs> Bam! Kick it over. Um, I look down. The kid has a bong. Nice. Now, when I was in school, not that I did this myself, but when I was in school... You'd have a, uh, I don't know if you need to have a trigger warning for drug use, but I don't know. But the stoners back there, they'd sneak a little pot out in the parking lot. No, this guy, brought, who brings a bong to school? Uh, right. So you have, I reach down, you know, hockey fight style and grab his shirt and pull him up. I have, he has two choices. One, put the bong down, pull his pants up. No. Wait, wait his pants are down? Yes, he, he was he was on the throne. He was using the bathroom this. and using the bathroom. He wasn't in there under the pretense of using the bathroom. He was like, oh, was I'm both. two yeah. birds. While I'm here, I mean, I might <laughs> what a busy well... man. Right. I, mean, <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I don't have to go back in there. Uh, that, that is a person who, um, once he learns the rules, is going to have a successful life. Yeah, um, multitasker. Yeah. Yeah. So put I that on the resume. Up. I pull him up. Again, two choices. Pull your pants up or, you know, as he did, hold it in one hand, struggle to pull it up with his left. Oh, jeez. And I say, all right, you ready to go? Yeah. So, okay. March him out. So, remember, it is, class is just now starting. Right. Uh-huh. At the high school, it is a 30-yard walk down that hallway to the resource officer room. And it's like a Roman parade. Yes. It's him, his buddies, me. The assistant principal who was wondering what in God's name she got herself into. Yeah. And everyone was, woo, yeah! <laughs> and, you know, he's along here just holding it up like the like the Liberty Torch. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yes. Oh, boy. So, yeah. Good um, times. And that, it was then that she knew she was in a new situation. Yeah. <laughs> the, the second one, I... um. For a lesson I taught for uh, AP uh, AP government was uh, model was a, uh, a session of Congress. These students had to create a bill, have a debate, and present it to the class. And I said, and you present it for debate. So I said, pick something that is meaningful to you that you uh, a law you like pass. Make sure it's appropriate, okay? But thinking something that 
reasonably uh, Congress could debate and pass. One student decided that with my full endorsement, once I saw it, because I've, I, I've been more proud of a student who did this, that he was going to create a bill to address the problem of dihydrogen monoxide. Nice. Nice. For those at home, uh, dihydrogen monoxide is, consists of two hydrogen atoms and one oxygen atom. Oxygen. It's also known as water. Um, and if you really want to know the truth, look up uh, dihydrogen monoxide on the internet, and you will see all sorts of interesting and frightening facts about our favorite compound. Um, uh-huh. I, don't, I don't teach chemistry. Anyway, um, hey, uh, so we had congressional debates over it, and the experts presented their evidence of how dangerous it was. So, yes. My AP government class banned dihydrogen monoxide. Nice, nice. Good job, good job. And they learned a very valuable lesson at mm-hmm. my hand. The best, uh, my proudest moment has got to be the time that I assigned students to uh, do, because I taught state history when I was in Tulsa. And I had students uh, teach or present the typical reports over great figures in Oklahoma, in Oklahoma history, gave them a list. And two of my brighter bulbs came up and said, Hey, Mr. Bastard. Yeah. We, we don't want to do a report. I'm like, mm, well, we kind of have to do one. Um, said, can we do something else? Like, and it was there that my, I began to embrace the idea of UDL, which is you let the student pick the type of project they're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, I said, you know what? You guys are pretty good at this. I'm going to let you go with something. What do you have in mind? It's like, well, I'm doing Will Rogers and he's doing Jim Thorpe. Both Oklahomans. Right. Yeah. Can we do an epic rap battle of history between those two? Oh, my. Yes. Nice. Now, I want you to make sure you do this and this and this and uh, keep it PG, PG-13. If, if you're not familiar with epic rap battles of history, there is a link in the show notes because they are um, <laughs> fantastic. I'm a, I'm a big fan of uh, Shakespeare versus Dr. Seuss. That's, I know that's a good one. Um, I'm trying to think some other ones. Um but I, but oh, I know my the... favorite is Eastern and Western philosophers. Okay, yeah. My favorite um, is Bonnie and Clyde versus Romeo and Juliet. Oh, I haven't seen that one. Solid. Okay. Um, uh, uh, explicit content warning. Just yes. Uh, yeah. Don't yeah. Don't play them in. Don't play them in class. But yeah, they uh, we there is an edited version. Um, hmm. but they were able to they were able to do it to a very high level, and it is probably the closest to Olympus I'll ever be as a teacher. And, oh. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> It also, but it, it was really informative for me because now when I do large summit of assignments that test one's learning, um, I do kind of embrace the UDL concept where we have the student pick the way in which they'll express their learning. I did that uh, last year with, uh, with major leaders in, uh, in uh, the ancient world. Uh, someone did a kind of a symbolic painting of Hatshepsut showing all the things she did and how she appeared. Um, I had another who uh, did a, uh, is anyone familiar with the SCP? It's at, uh, it's, it's, it's kind of an obscure thing. The kids really like it. It's, uh, it's done. It's a series of of videos done from the, viewpoint of an organization that contains threats and studies. Them. Oh, so yes, like, yes, yes. I do know this. I have no idea what you're talking about, and, but that's okay. Uh, it is. And I didn't either. And, but they seem, but the two kids seemed into it. I said, well, okay, well, what do you want to do? It's like, we want to do that for, um, for uh, the Greek gods, Poseidon and Hades. And I said, okay, uh, I'm going to let you provisionally, but I'm going to check this out first and make sure that, you know, that you're doing this right and make sure it'll fit. And I did. I was like, "This, if they do this, this is pretty neat." So I said, "Yeah, yes." But but every time they do pick something like that, I always say, "I want to see evidence of this. I want to see that. I want to see there's some things I want you to include." Mm-hmm. Um, so, and someone else did a stop motion depiction of the life of uh, of the story of Hephaestus. So, cool. I love that. I so yeah, I was, we have uh, uh, the. Curriculum I'm teaching is is uh, paint by numbers. It's all made by the district, and we have to follow it. And we ha- I hate it. Bought by the district. Yeah. Um. And so one of the uh, modules that we're doing is on uh, epidemics, 
And so uh, we're supposed to end with them doing a, a project where they had to create a podcast where they have to brainstorm a uh, an epidemic that might be affecting their lives. Uh, this was created several years ago. So that one was a little too on the nose for us. So we changed it. And so we made it think of a social epidemic that you see everywhere. Something that it's spreading and, and, and constant and, and that you see all over the place. And we got talking to someone while they're on the phone. (laughs) Drives me nuts. Oh, Uh, we got jury. We got some really good ones. I had a girl who did a really good uh, and and did tons of research on like uh, the the hatred for pit bulls. We did kids who did um, one on the Karen epidemic. Nice. Uh, I mean, like the ideas they came up with were amazing. Good. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. Give kids like a chance to explore like that, like you yes, know, yeah. Have them use their skills, but have them explore their interests and maybe right. see the issues and problems with them. There we go. There we at, go. At this at this stage, and this is the improvement in education since uh, we were. I'm, I'm assuming you guys are close to my age. Um, this we're not even uh, close to each other's age. Anyway, go ahead. <laughs> uh, but uh, but yeah, you guys. Uh, you are familiar with the old NES system and you've used VHSs at some point in your life. So yeah. Right. Uh, they, uh, it's one of the major improvements we've had is no longer are things like history tests or science tests, just a recitation of, you know, trivia, what you right. remember. Yeah. Like what's the capital of Texas? Well, you can look that up on Google and there's nothing wrong with that. Right. It, it'd be cool to snap it off the top of your head for jeopardy. But, mm-hmm. um, it's there's 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 nothing wrong with making sure of something, but what we are trying to teach them is their skills and their higher worth thinking. What does how is the capital of Texas being in Austin? How does that affect the city of Austin? How does that affect the state? Why was it chosen as the capital? Um, how does the growth of Austin over the last few years affect the politics of Texas? Since the what would make what would make a better state capital than Austin, given current Texas um, demographics, policies, and whatever? Right. Uh, my answer to that would be um, Portland. So um, okay, yeah. <laughs> Portland, yeah, Texas. Just saying. Yeah, right, right. But you know, no, Portland, but, but that's exactly. <laughs> but all those things, right? So we have an understanding of, of state capitals and, and Texas, rather than just yeah, I know which one's which. But it's it's having them learn, having them exercise their skills is uh, is really kind of the key, and it's something that. Um, we should do when we uh, form our lessons together. Uh, when we when we um, make our plans, is to assess the uh, the skills and the higher worth thinking they may be able to use. Mm-hmm. Um, knowledge is helpful, and they do need to have a decent knowledge base. Of course, vocabulary is important. You got to build that up because right. um, if they don't if they don't understand what capital and Austin and uh, people and government mean, they're going to struggle. But no longer should it be just a search for just basic trivia. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. We're going to wrap it up here. Um, is there anything other than your um, fabulous Twitter that you have to promote? Is there, is there, can people get um, hats don't, and don't t-shirts? Follow, and, and Don't follow my Twitter. All I do is gripe about, all I do is uh, <laughs> gripe about hockey and uh, board games. That's really all I do. Okay. Uh, and, uh, and Not a lot of I, hockey I, board I, games, though. Uh, I have one. Ooh! Yeah, I had the really? Little, it wasn't a yes, board I game. I had the little um, the Johnny Hull thing where you slid the things and spin the things, basically like foosball, but like not exactly. I oh, slot, they call it they call it slot hockey or ball. Slot ball hockey. hockey. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I love that with a uh, little ball bearing inside the thing, and oh, it was good times. Yeah, they. Uh, I actually use uh, the board game Seven Wonders when I'm teaching the ancient world. Nice. Um, yeah, I'm working on a couple of board games, but uh, talking about those would also be tracing my anonymity, so I'll keep that down. Okay. Uh, oh, um, speaking however, of board games, I'll... if you like board games, our Edupod Lusa episode um, last year where we where we played. Um, yes, you played. Uh, I did listen to that. Yeah, we played. Um, I'm a, sorry. A, yeah, it's a board game that, that Tedisco created. Yeah, but you're not promoting anything or selling anything or um, or or um, anything. So we're going to preserve your anonymity. So yeah, just just uh, just just have fun, chill, be a good teacher, do your best, try not to suck. There um, we go. Yeah, actually, I had I I was able to get try not to suck put into our uh, our staff meeting um, norms. 
Yeah. <laughs> At the beginning of one year, uh, they said, what are your goals? You know, what are your goals for the year? Principal Sophie went around the table. Right. So what are your goals for the year? And I was like, um, I'm just going to try not to suck. And said, I'm putting that in the norms. So <laughs> try not to suck with 80% accuracy. All right. It's got to be, exactly. it's got to be yeah. something that you got to be measurable. Measurable. Yeah. Right. All right. So, we, yeah. we appreciate you guys. I mean, try, try not to suck, you know, like that, that's, <laughs> You know, that's the, also the motto of our podcast in general. Don't get, don't get on fired. So that's another, another good one. So, um, as we always say, guys, at the end, um, stay unprofessional. Thank you and stay unprofessional. Stay unprofessional. Stay unprofessional. Stay unprofessional. Stay unprofessional.